This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, Episode 61. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Manny Vea from 2000 Books to the Baller Circle. Manny is an engineer turned internet business owner. Through his interest in business books such as Think and Grow Rich, he learned that most entrepreneurs that he admired were made and not born. Manny is an avid reader who reads a book a day on average and enjoys breaking down the ideas of books and explaining them to others. From this love, he developed his company, 2000 Books, which provides book summaries for busy entrepreneurs. So Manny, I'm happy to have you on the Baller Circle, happy to have you on the podcast. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? No, Michael, you did a great job there. That was fantastic. But you know, just, just for your listeners, yeah, I'm a physicist, I'm an engineer. I used to be in a Fortune 500 company managing billion-dollar cell phone projects, and here I am now doing a book summary business online. So you know, life changes, and we get to evolve as we go. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, I I, I love uh, I love two thousand books. It's a, it's a really cool idea. I got a chance to look at some of the summaries that you had on your on your site, uh, and for me, I love consuming business books. And uh, also, I'm someone who is, um, I, you know, you'd like to save time, right? So sometimes there are certain books that like I know I'm gonna dig through and I want to spend the time to read them. There are other books where I'm like, ah, I really want to kind of listen to the audio book of it so I don't have to like sit there and actually thumb through all the pages. And then there are other books where I'm like, I'm kind of interested in knowing what this book is about, but I don't actually want to read the whole thing. So it'd be awesome if someone else could provide me a summary. So it's kind of cool that, you know, you are providing that that service because uh, I think there's definitely a need for it in the marketplace. Um, but I wanted to get uh, take some steps back and figure out like, what's the Manny story? So before, like, where did you grow up? What was life like? And what was your first kind of um, introduction to entrepreneurship. Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up in India. I, I grew up uh, till I was 21. I was actually in India. I went to school there. I went and got my degree in physics. And, uh, you know, all the time we hear stories of entrepreneurs who started when they were seven or eight and they had a lemonade stand when they were nine and they were selling books when they were 10. You know, I wasn't one of them. I was I was a nerd. I was <laughs> I studied physics, then I came to the US to grad school to get a degree in electrical engineering, computer engineering, did all that, and then moved on to get a job. So I I actually spent a lot of time in career and in a in large corporations in engineering roles in software design and management and all that stuff. So entrepreneurship isn't something that I was born with. There weren't people uh, uh, they, I mean, I wasn't like one of those that you hear about who just have the entrepreneurial gene. But the truth is, none of the, none of us were born like that. We just, you know, we just get introduced to the idea at different stages of our lives. And I got introduced to the idea of entrepreneurship in some ways uh, through books. And as I started reading these books, and as I started to, um, you know, as they started to widen my mind, I realized that what I was doing with my job was really small in the sense the impact I could make was so limited compared to what I would do if I was going to do my own thing. So as time evolved, I knew I had to go, I had to move on, I had to start my own business. So I left this cushy job in Fortune 500 company managing, managing these cell phone projects to do this uh, business. 
So, I, you know, that the thing about that that's I think is so scary for so many people is uh, making that leap, right? Leaving a job that you're you're doing well in, you're making a good salary to go and start a business. Did you did you kind of side hustle your way into this? Like you started 2000 books and you had some income coming in or did you just say, like, I'm just going to go for it and just burn your savings as you were trying to build up your company? No, there was no no income coming in, man. Uh, I just I just jumped in. I knew it was time. I knew I had to do it. I knew if I kept on delaying it, this would go on forever. There would always be some reason or the other as to why I shouldn't start my own business. I mean, the thing, the truth of the matter is, until we're forced, until there's that desperation, until we get to the point where we must make it happen, like all your options have been removed. So here's here's a here's a cool uh cool new idea that I've I learned over the last week and uh, so in 2005 um, what's his name Thomas Schelling Thomas Schiller this gentleman won the Nobel Peace Prize for economics and he said something very profound he said in order to win at any endeavor we must limit our options now I might have butchered the words here but what he's saying is in order to win at any game and this his ideas come from game theory in economics, he says, in order to win at anything, we must limit our options. We must actually take away our options purposely so that we can focus our attention on what's important. And that's the only way we can win. So um, I've been a proponent of that thought um, quite a bit now because I believe that unless, I mean, when we have too many options, we're just not giving our very best. Hmm. So that's interesting. So did, how did you how did you financially survive? What was <laughs> what happened? Let me know. Uh, it's yeah, it's been through my savings. Uh, I mean, as I as I said, I've I've been in you know I've been in the Fortune 500 for wait, I was in Fortune 500 before. Like I st I was in the engineering field for over ten years, so I've had uh, built a substantial savings and I have investments that allow me to you know allowed me to build my business while I was uh, not creating any I mean I was while I was not generating any outside right. income so yeah I, I understand I understand that if you don't have anything any savings then then it's I don't know how you would do it <laughs> right were you nervous at all about like oh what if I burn through all my savings and this still isn't working like what what do I do if I if I if my runway runs out of, of money yes and no because because my runway was really long like my runway is really long okay. like I the, 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 what I decided to do instead was to just take away all the money from me and invest the money so that I get bare minimum just so that I could survive and make this business work. Okay. Otherwise, I would probably have spent another five to 10 years just burning through my runway. <laughs> right. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you decide. Um, so I guess when you were working, uh, was the 2000 Books company that you have now, was that your first idea or did you have something else that you pivoted away from and, and have iterations of, of different ideas until you got to where you are now? Uh, there been, I mean, there were various iterations of this idea in some ways. I mean, I've tried so many different ways of trying to make this happen. Initially, I wanted to build a software platform where I would get authors to do courses. And then I thought, okay, it'll just be a podcast. Then it's become like a, a you know, YouTube channel and a podcast. And um, then I thought maybe uh, I should get the authors to sell courses through my... So th it's been an evolution in many ways. Like there have been so many different iterations because it's so... Uh, the thing is... In, in in entrepreneurship, I mean, most of us, we start with this one grand idea of how we're going to do things. And as we continue to do it, it just continues to change. It change, changes, changes, changes. Because as we, you know, as we come in contact with the marketplace, 
we get feedback as to what they want, what they don't want, what is working, what's not working, and we adapt mm-hmm. and we change. So with that, uh, as you're, um, I guess, going through these different iterations, um, I guess, how did you get to a point where you where you knew like, okay, this first thing I'm trying is not working. I need to pivot. Like, what were were there some like aha moments that you had along the way that kind of triggered you to pivot away from one idea to another to get to where you are right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's quite a few things. Now, this is one of the one of the most difficult questions in entrepreneurship, by the way, Michael. Like whether to pivot or to persevere. Like this is not. There's no science to this thing. There's it's it's more of a gut thing. You just go with it and you you know, you figure it out. But for example, one of the things I wanted to do was build a software platform for authors to be able to sell their courses. What I realized as I went through that process of trying to figure it out, that it was just becoming a software play. And not only that, um, to test that out, to to test it out fast, it would take a whole, I mean, it would be very difficult to test that out fast unless I went for uh, venture money, unless I went for some sort of external uh, investment. Uh, in the sense, it would need millions of dollars for me to be able to uh, really make this product work. And one of the things I wanted to do was not have any external, like I did not want any external investments. I did not want anyone, out, any outsider to meddle with my business. So that was, you know... <laughs> One of the reasons why I pivoted away from that idea because I knew I wanted to create a business where I would be the one who, you know, who calls the shots and who decides how we're going to run this business rather than bringing in external money and all that stuff. So I wanted to design the business according to my own wishes rather than let external circum- like external people come in, come into it. So, um, so this was one example. But there are other iterations as well where certain things happened where I decided, well, this is not... Um, something I truly enjoy doing. Say, for example, one of the things I was thinking of was uh, uh, going specifically just full, full on podcast mode where I just interview the authors. And what I found out over time was that that's not something that is fulfilling to me uh, just by itself because what I really love doing is explaining these ideas and talking about these ideas and getting on the camera. So I don't want to be just uh, the interviewer. I want to be the one talking about these things. So so these iterations happen as a result of me learning more about myself, being in the business, and basically tuning it according to my personal uh, wishes and desires in some ways, and also my um, the way I see the world rather than, um, rather than just letting it happen to me. That's awesome. So um, I, one thing that, that I think is really, really interesting is that your idea that entrepreneurs are made and not born because i think that's you know a discussion that so many people talk about you know are, are you born an entrepreneur or are you made one and i think a lot of people do believe that they're that they're born but you, you know you're from your evidence from what you've read in the books that you've ex- examined that's not the case that that entrepreneurs are actually made uh can you explain that like how you came to that conclusion yeah i mean uh, anyone anytime anyone says that i think it's so much baloney they're just uh they're just out to be very narcissistic about their own success in some ways or there's something else going on there because if you look at stories of these successes if you go back in time every time you will see consistently is these are people who have spent years and years and years in fact decades behind building any kind of business. So what people think, oh, that's a flash in the pan success. This guy just knows it. He just gets it. He's just a true entrepreneur. That's not the case. That person probably spent 10, 20 years cutting their, you know, they spent so much time 
learning that business. Bill Gates, I mean, he was doing these things. He was uh, messing around with these things when he was 13, when he was 12. He, I mean, he was learning. He was into it back then. I mean, uh, Mar Mark Zuckerberg, same thing. He was doing all sorts of things back when he was young. Not because he was a born entrepreneur, because he had those opportunities available to him at the time. As a young kid in his family, Bill Gates came, grew up in a very affluent family, which had access to computers and all that stuff. So um, as you look back at all these stories, you find consistently that none of them were just born. <laughs> nobody anointed them as the entrepreneur. They just did more of it. So the ones who have been successful are the ones who have done a lot of it. That's about the only thing that is true. The more time you spend in entrepreneurship, the higher your chances of succeeding at it. Hmm. I, I agree with that. And I think that's a great, great point. And uh, I'm glad you put some, some, uh, some, you know, evidence behind it. Uh, so let's talk about your, your, your business, 2000 books. Um, so you got this this great company, this great business idea. Uh, one, how did you figure out that there was a market for this idea, and and how do you uh, typically get your your uh, your traffic? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, figuring out the market for this idea for for this one, it's relatively easy, I would say, because there are existing businesses in the space. You know, there are comp there is competition in the space for me, and these businesses have been around for more than ten years. What I did not like about these businesses was that they were doing book summaries like some <laughs> now i'm going to sound really um, um bad about it. like i'm going <laughs> to sound bad here but I, I i felt like some random dude they picked up just out of college who highlighted a bunch of things in a book and just wrote out the summary like there was no perspective there was no emotion there was no story there was no fun in those summaries so i was like man i hate this thing i love learning but these things are terrible so in some ways you know i just saw that I hated what these guys were doing, and I wanted to build something better than that. So, I I went on to do it. So, so that's that's kind of the story. In the sense, there is an existing business. There is a bunch of existing businesses, eight-figure businesses. Um, so I know that there is a demand. There is a place for this thing now. When it comes to building our traffic, um, our YouTube channel brings in a lot of the traffic. Our podcast, of course, brings uh, the other side of the traffic. So both of them contribute to bringing traffic to our website where people can, you know, people can go to our YouTube channel and watch all these great summaries for free. They can go to our podcast and listen to author interviews, some of the greatest authors alive today. We've interviewed them. And not only that, they can, you know, listen to all these things. And finally, they decide they want to get more of these things. So they decide to buy our summaries. Uh, that's awesome. So I, and I know a lot of people are trying to do that. They're, you know, uh, having a podcast and they're, they're using that as a way to grow an audience or a YouTube channel. But, you know, there's certain people like yourself who have, YouTube channels that have large followings and podcasts that have large followings. And there are other people who like really, really struggle to get, you know, anybody with their mom to watch their YouTube <laughs> video or listen to their podcast. What, what are you doing um, to get people to listen to your podcast or grow that audience and, and watch your YouTube videos? Okay. No, that's a great, uh, great question, Michael. So let's, let's, let's talk about the two uh, components here, YouTube and the podcast. When it comes to YouTube, um, what you find is that interviews don't work as well on YouTube unless they are done in person. Like Skype interviews aren't really something that draw attention from people. So you got to produce some high quality videos where you are on camera or you use animation or something like that. And then you got to share, you got to market those videos. So one of the best sites to market videos in my domain is Reddit. In the sense you, hmm. if I publish a book summary video, I go to Reddit and I put the, you know, I talk about the video, I get people to like it or not like 
it and over time it builds a, a kind of you know it, it brings a lot of uh, traffic to your YouTube channel another element to building your YouTube channel is to get um, to, to be very clear on what you're trying to deliver and value be very clear on who your target audience and are and what you're gonna do for them so they should know exactly. So when you come to my YouTube channel, it says book summaries for ambitious entrepreneurs. There's no messing around. There's no like uh, book summaries in general. It's very clear. It's very precise for who like who are the who's my target audience. So people self-select. If they don't believe they're entrepreneurs or they're ambitious entrepreneurs, they're just not going to listen to that stuff. And that's good. So you have to be very clear on your targeting, on your on your avatar in some ways, who it is you're serving, uh, and that will allow you to grow much faster. What <laughs> what ends up happening is even though I say it's for entrepreneurs, a lot of people who are not who don't even have a business they will listen because they enjoy that aspect of it or they want to be involved with it or they like they say at some point I want to do it. So so having a clear messaging allows you to penetrate really deeply. That's really important. So as much as possible, knowing who your target is and going very clear that this holds both for podcasts and for YouTube. Now when it comes to podcasts, one of the best strategies to grow your traffic is to get your your guests to share the the interview the uh, yeah the episode or whatever it is to get them to share it to their audience because it holds it opens up every time you do that it opens the whole a whole new world of people um, to you in some ways so that that works very well um, also depending on the nature of your show you could increase the frequency of it to get more downloads more like I mean more um, more people to, yeah, to download and to listen in some ways. Or not, not, you may not get more people to listen, but you get the same people to, to addict. They, they get addicted to your show and then they will become buyers. They become people who want to come back and do business with you. So um, these are some really high level uh, tactics here, Michael. I mean, there's a lot more that goes into building these uh, platforms as well. But uh, someone who's starting off, if they just practice some of these things, they will definitely see a great bump. They'll probably, you know, be able to um, take their podcast to the next level or YouTube to the next level just by employing these these techniques very consistently. So, uh, in your process of building your business and and learning all these marketing strategies, did you take any courses? Like, how did you learn uh, how to do all this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I am a lifelong learner. I I, I am always looking to learn, looking to shorten my curve. So one time when I uh, went to this seminar called Unleash the Power Within by Tony Robbins, he said something very profound. He said, you know, I'm giving you a lot of great strategies to uh, improve to improve your life. And you can, you know, you can employ any of these great strategies and like make tremendous changes in your life. But the fastest, the most potent way to make change in any area of life is to find people who are better than you and work with them, to find a way to associate with them, and that will compress decades into days. And that is something that I've always, like that's always lived with me now. So so I'm constantly investing in myself in these you know courses, seminars, uh, whatever you might think. I mean, I, I go to a lot of these seminars, I go to a lot of these conferences, um, I invest in coaches, I invest in every kind of course, you know, podcasting course, YouTube course, um, email, email marketing course, everything you can imagine, I will go and buy it because I know it will pay off very quickly. Do you have any favorite conferences? Uh, yeah, these days my favorite conferences are the ones that happen in San okay. Diego. <laughs> just because <laughs> lately I've been like I want to focus on being in one city for a while. So um, traffic and conversion is a good one. Social media marketing world is a good one. Um, those are a couple of ones that I've enjoyed every time I've been there. Um, 
yeah, so that's 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 probably a good start for anyone who is in this space to uh, to get to know the players and get to know the movers and shakers and uh, start building relationships. I always, th- I, whenever I go to a conference, I'm only thinking of building relationships. I don't even care about the content. <laughs> I'm only thinking of who are the people that I can build my relationships with. Nice. So let's let's talk about that. I, that's kind of cool. So what's your what's your relationship building strategy? Do you use a side ahead of time, like who you think is going to be there, and you have a, like a target list of people, or and, and what's I guess what's your conference approach? So this is interesting. Uh, uh, <laughs> let me let me let me give you a big picture framework here. So at the beginning of the year, I I put out a spreadsheet. So um, for any of you guys who are listening, there's this book called um, Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi, and I have a video of that on our channel and an action guide. So one of the things I do is I actually use that action guide every year. And um, I, there's a spreadsheet that I put together of the people I want to meet, the people I want to connect with, and that's for the year. Like I've already set my intention. Okay, these are the people I want to be associated with this year in order to move my life forward. So I already have certain names in my mind when I when I'm like going through my life on a day-to-day basis. What happens when I go to these conferences is that um, there's a, there's, there are two things that I'm thinking about. Where am I? Like what, like what, kind, of, uh, what kind of people I am looking to meet right now with the business and also the people on my spreadsheet, the, the big picture people that I want to connect with, the people I want to meet. So with that in mind, so when I went to traffic and conversion uh, in March this year, one thing, like when my friend asked me, what do you want to get out of this conference this weekend? I was like, only thing I care about is connecting with three people. Connecting with three people. That's all. That was my goal. And I ended up doing that. And uh, one of those guys was actually from my spreadsheet. So it was rather, it's pretty amazing how it happened. I just ran into him during the conference and I started talking to the guy and we ran into each other a few other times during the conference. But it was, I mean, you can say it's luck, you can say it's chance, but you know, your RAS, your reticular activation system is kind of programmed for stuff like this. It's constantly scanning the environment for what you have told that you want to do. And uh, when you when you are putting it out there, it's constantly helping you find that specific goal or find that specific uh, uh, person, whoever or whatever it might be that you're looking for. So um, I, I mean, hopefully this kind of explains a little bit of the strategy. But I, I do I am very focused on these people. One of the other things I do here in San Diego is I host dinners every month. I'll host a dinner with the people I want to connect with, uh, people I want to uh, bring into my life. In some ways, the, I call these mastermind dinners. And I also am now starting to do more events based around um, people who are, you know, who, who are who I know are building businesses who I I, I appreciate, admire, and I want to bring them. So so I try I do all these things because. It's very intentional. It does not happen without you really focusing on it. Right, right. I like that. That's cool. You're doing dinners. How do you, <laughs> how do you, how do you find these people who invite to the dinner every month? Yeah. So okay. So here's a hack when it comes to hosting anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Find a co-host. Okay. Because the the beauty of finding a co-host is that now the whole job of inviting people is split between the two of you. That person is going to invite their group of people. You're going to invite your group of people. As soon as that happens, suddenly you've doubled your reach. You double your reach, and the first time this dinner happens, now you have eight people to choose from. You tell them, you talk to them, and say, "Hey, let's next time, let's you and I do it." 
now you've again reached increase your reach exponentially. So uh, that's probably one of the best hacks I've found over the last few years is to co-host events with others, whether it's parties, whether it's dinners, whatever it is, do it with others. You will always find so much more ban- like so much more um, mileage as a result of it. Well, Manny, I, I think your story is pretty awesome. Uh, I, I I like your very systematic approach to uh, developing your business, and uh, I, I also love the uh, you know your your networking strategy for going to conferences because I think that that's definitely so important. Um, and I know a lot of people listening are, are going to be probably <laughs> stealing that strategy, reading that book that you read, and then going out there doing implementing those same things. I know I will be. Um, but uh, yeah, so I appreciate you coming on the show, and I want to know before we close out. How can the Baller Circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business? Absolutely. So uh, for all of you ballers out there, um, just come on over. Like if you are into podcasting, just look for our podcast. Uh, it's called 2000 Books, 2000. The number is 2000 Books. If you search for it in your um, in your podcasting app, you'll find us there. And if you want to message me, uh, you can email me or email me, Manny at 2000books.com, Twitter at 2000books. Same hour, just come to our website, 2000books.com. So. Sounds good, Manny. I appreciate you coming. Hey, Michael, thanks for having me. Great questions, man. That was Manny Vea from 2000 Books. You can connect with Manny on his website, 2000books.com, or check out his podcast at 2000books on iTunes. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. Be sure to listen to next week's interview with Nicole Holland. Nicole will be coming back to the show to talk about the launch of her new podcast interview business, Interviews That Convert, and a reason for discontinuing her virtual summit. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers Podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.